This is the 4 0 Written All Over It podcast. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to the 4 0 Written All Over It podcast. A very happy new year to you all, and thank you for joining us for another debrief look ahead and debate surrounding all the goings on at Pompey League One, and as well as that, a discussion about the wider footballing world right now. It is really great to have your company wherever and however you are listening to this. Thank you being with us. My brother is back. I was. I wrote in the script, how was your Christmas, but I spent most of it with you. Um, my, to... my Christmas was lovely, thank you Tom. It's... I saw you quite a lot. Yeah, well that's why it was lovely then. I'm sure. <laughs> that's the exact sure that's reason, why, yeah. That's why it was lovely. Um, yeah, we've had fun, haven't we? The, the, by the time people are listening to this, it probably is already the new year, so a very happy new year to you. And... Yeah, I, I would like to start really by apologising that we've left such a big gap between, we, we've um, left a 30-day gap, would you believe? It's quite a gap. What, what we intended to do initially was set up a couple of pilot episodes to test the podcast. And we were planning on running one every Thursday. However, my birthday got in the way and then Christmas got in the way. Mm. And now we're not letting New Year's get in the way. And we've decided we're going to mm-hmm. go big for 2023 and really commit to this. So, as we've had a lot of good feedback from the podcast, we have, we? yeah. Lots so, of um, it should be coming weekly to you now for the remainder of twenty twenty three, with the odd gap for the off season, I imagine. Yeah, we'll we'll go as long as Pompey are going. I think is the kind of plan. I mean, if if there's sort of well, unavailable slash football, yeah, as well, yeah, slash football. So, if there is a a brief period of time where there's either international breaks or whatever, where was whatever there is to talk about, we'll talk about maybe some playoffs. Well. We could maybe ask that question at the end. I wanted to. Um, <laughs> we'll st- we'll start. We'll start Pompey. One win in thirteen is the headline, Ollie. And I I did a little tweet after the Ipswich game on Thursday, basically saying that I felt like we need to be a bit more circumstantial with our reflections because I feel like there's been elements of head loss amongst the fan base. And considering games in context is really important. That means absolutely be as angry as you like and as angry as we were with a two 0 defeat to a side in the relegation zone at the time in MK Dons. But don't boo a performance well worthy of the point and nearly three points against a team second in the league in Ipswich in, on Tuesday night. Yeah, I think that that boo's probably come a lot from frust- frustration, hasn't it? You know, um, it, The problem we have and the problem that Danny has, it's not Danny's fault. You know, Danny isn't the manager that's kept us in this league for five years prior to this point. Um, and we, we've got to be understanding of that because I think that we, we fall into this category... Uh, every year where we're up in the favourites for promotion. Mm. Early doors. Early doors. Great start. We had a fantastic start to the season. And I said early on that there's a long way to go. We've got some very key players that if we get injuries to, we might miss, which we have. Um, That that doesn't make up for the fact, in my eyes, the performance I saw against MK, Mm. obviously. uh, But we'll touch on that a bit more later. More to the wider point of the booing, I think that it's born out of frustration of 13 poor results. You know, one win in 13 isn't good enough. For and the a... win was away to Forest Green Rovers, by the way. Exactly. Point so that out. It, it simply isn't good enough. And we said at one of the first podcasts, you know, we draw too many games. And that's a big difference. If you lose half and win half of them, you come out with a lot more points. And actually, your fans will be a lot happier. Mm. Draws and losses don't feel like wins. You know, if you drew 14 of the, if you drew 13 of those 13 games, we'd still be sat here feeling quite negative and quite down about the situation. If we'd won... 7 lost 6 or 1 6 lost 7 we'd be a lot happier because at least we've got some points on the board we're in the in the playoff spots you know we're moving forward we've got some good performances under the belt a draw kind of feels like a bit of a nothing result doesn't it um yeah. which i think is where the frustrations come from like like you said though it's um a 0-0 uh, sorry not a 0-0 a 2-2 
against second in the league, Ipswich is a good result. Mm. And I'd actually like to give Danny Cowley credit. I thought he got it spot on against Ipswich. And not only were we 2-1 up from the hour mark to four minutes before the end. And yes, we're well aware that we threw it away in spectacular fashion. And we're going to, I'm sure you've seen the Griffiths spill. You've seen the Griffiths spill. Um, But I felt like Danny employed the correct tactics and selection for A, what he had to work with at the time, including... Well, not not um, forgetting a, a, a bout of, of illness and, and to the extent at which that was really because um, it had been a little bit um, nondescript and non-specific about exactly who and what the illness is. And I think that's maybe to stifle opponents more than anything and not not give anything away and play cards close to your chest, which I'm absolutely all for. And I can see exactly why Danny does it. And B, what he was coming up against in, in the shape of an Ipswich side. We were good without, good without the ball, not so great with it. Scored an unbelievable free kick courtesy of big Marlon Pack himself. And I feel like if we'd tried to, I'm going to use the term out-football Ipswich, I think we would have succumbed and, and lost spectacularly. And what I mean by out-football is if you tried to go match for match and try and play the game as much as they wanted to, I don't think we would have got anything out of it. No, there's no hiding from the fact that they've thrown a lot of resource at this season. They're a better know, side than us, aren't they? They, you, they've brought a lot of very good players. And as well as that, they're very well gelled as a team as well. I still think there's a, an element in our team of unrest in terms of the, the teamwork, um, which when you go up against a side that are very well gelled, are very confident, are second in the league, are winning game after game, I think that, that that's... Also, that mindset's going to overtake us in a in a like for like footballing term. Like you said, if we'd managed to you know win that game two one, I mean even a two two draws a good result. So you can't argue with the the end result of what came out of that game because if anyone had offered us going into that game a two all, we probably would have taken it at the time. Yeah, I mean you've only got to look at a player like Leif Davis, who I highlighted in the video on Thursday night, which many of you I'm sure listening will have seen that he's a a, a, a second a second. Seven figure fee from uh, from Leeds United to join Ipswich as their left back. I thought it was a class above, and I actually had Ipswich fans then commenting and telling me after I'd said that 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 wasn't his best game that they've ever seen him play, and that imagine what he'd be like on his metal. He's worth about one point two million quid, and he's one of their biggest current talents. You think probably the the I don't want to be sour grapes about this, but the weakest link in their side is probably Marcus Harness, and Ipswich paid in the region of a million pounds for him from us as I'm aware of it. So, you know, you, you, that's that just proof, proofs in the pudding with that one, isn't it? What, what did you make of what Pompey did and how how we managed to... And I think I think it, it, it it's really frustrating because it so nearly worked, didn't it, the plan? It was it worked for 87 minutes and you know, it's a fantastic free kick from Marlon. It's a, it's a brilliantly worked bit of play for, for Colby to get his 10th of the season with 25 games to go. You're at Christmas, New Year, 10 league, league goals... It's not too bad, is it? No, he's playing well. He, he's been he's been very good since he's been given the opportunity to play Colby, and um, it's nice to see someone with a bit of confidence bagging some goals and capitalising and, and playing like a proper striker should. Um, you know, they're not always the most attractive goals he scores, but he scores the goals that are important, very much like a Van Nistelrooy type performer that will you know he's just in the right places at the right time to give himself the opportunities to score, which is good to see. Um, I think you're right. You know, we, we took our chances against Ipswich as well. You know, we had two shots on target and scored two goals. Um, you know, if we could start doing a bit more of that in games where we're drawing nil-nil or drawing one-all, then you'd start to see us get to the... You know, we, we've often come out of games seeing us have 13 shots on target and not score. We knew we had to be clinical against Ipswich, yeah. didn't we? I think that was the thing. Exactly We, we right. knew that you're not going to get very many opportunities. The opportunities that you do get 
need to be yeah need to be nestled basically don't they yeah very important we we weren't actually and this annoys me a little bit because despite the lack of clear-cut chances there was one from joe morell on the edge of the box that just literally just hits the head of an Ipswich town player and comes off it i don't think he knew much about it Mm -hmm. that changes the game and i think the 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 second goal we'll talk about, and we mentioned Griffiths at the top of the podcast, my issue with it is not actually Griffiths spilling the ball. I think my concern would be the fact that Sam Moores, he's got enough space. He had about an hour and a half to prepare and line up the shot. And, it, you know, the, the, the fact that he can have that distance and that sort of vacant space around him to get the shot off. The then fact that the three closest players to the spill of the ball from Josh Griffiths are all wearing red and black mm-hmm. and one of them just happens to be Connor Chaplin to bury it. You look at, there's a screenshot that I saw circling around. You look where the Pompey players are in relation to the Ipswich players when the ball is struck, right? It's ludicrous. It's honestly, and, and they've Ipswich are a team that are well drilled and it looks like a team that are buying into the idea of a manager's philosophy and a manager's sort of idea about the game where yes you go and chase that ball in that's one of the principles of this side that if it doesn't go in the first time you chase it in for the second and Pompey just nowhere to be seen for the second no we've we've said it quite a lot haven't we this season um you know I I said it after the MK day uh game in the in the video that it was just it was a lackluster performance a lack of commitment a lack of want for the ball that you seem to see in it it our opportunity seems to come from a good run of play from a player or a couple of players. Um, you know, Owen Dale was a standout for me in that game and his performance. Um, Mingi played really well as well. And, you, you know, it's good to see these players with their confidence and performing well, but it just seems to me like the other nine men on the pitch aren't wanting it as much, aren't fighting for it as much. And in that, in that instance, as you can see, you know, that, it was very clear that the Ipswich players wanted it more. All three of them, you know, what what's stopping our players, our defenders, being in the same positions fighting for that ball? Nothing, apart from the, the lack of want or the lack of foresight to do so. Uh, and it's a shame to see, you look at the season when Charlton went up um, from our league to the Prem, you know, they went on that mad run um, just before get, to get themselves into the playoffs, then went through the playoffs and ended up getting into the championship that season. And I remember listening to a few of the Lee Bowyer interviews and every time they won a game it was always about how the players gave them everything mm-hmm. you know the players were so committed and you watch them they throw their bodies on the line for their for their club you know they were chucking themselves in front of the ball they really wanted it they wanted to win they were showing for each other they were working for each other and I just feel that there's been a lot of occasions this season where we haven't done that for one another um, and that's what's really let us down and, and that is a perfect example of a case where our players should be battling back. They shouldn't have given up at that point and allow three Ipswich players to be ahead. What a finish that is, by the <laughs> way. We're um, for to provide context. We're um, I always like to try and put something on to keep Ollie's attention and have <laughs> cheers. <laughs> have something to watch in the in the background and, and give us a, a like. Well, last time it was the World Cup that we had on, and I, I was listening back to the podcast. He's on side. I was listening back to the podcast. Um, that we did a couple of ooh, I think <laughs> well, it's a nice line to give yeah, you a bit so. of a helping hand there. Um, well, I listened back to the podcast from a couple of weeks ago, and and we were sort of discussing the the Spain at one point, Spain and Germany were both out of the World Cup, which I thought thought was ridiculously, you know, it was 
would have been cataclysmic, but it then proved to, to not be. And I, I feel like this is very in the moment for us and anyone listening posthumously will um will not really benefit from what we're saying, but I thought it'd be nice to have the football on. So then it feels like we're, um yeah, pro- properly footballed up, put it that way. Um, There was a, a, a bit of a view that was shared amongst fans and people I've spoken to post-match, etc., that taking Joe Morell off cost Danny Cowley and Pompey the game on Thursday night. Now, I know it's a little bit of a tall order to go. Taking a player off directly costs you a football match. My only gripe would be I feel like Joe Morrell might have been in front of that Sam Morsey shot where Owendale slash other defenders around wouldn't have been. And, you know, you've you've already praised Owendale. I thought we had an absolutely outstanding game for us on Thursday night. And uh, I thought Joe Morrell, Zach Swanson... Owendale and Conor Ogilvy rightfully sort of scrapple over that man of the match. I think it ended up going to Conor Ogilvy. I know Popping News now crowned Joe Morrell as their man of the match. Um, what would you say to take it? Uh, he was tired, Joe Morrell. He's obviously not been long back from Qatar. He's been dealing with illness. He's been dealing with injury. He's not had an awful lot of game time. In a game like Ipswich, occasion like Ipswich, something that matters as much as the Ipswich game, would you have chosen him as the man to take off um and do you think it had a direct consequence on the game i i think it's hard to speculate whether one substitution makes or wins a game um it's difficult to tell if that one player has made that big difference like you said if he's getting rather leggy at that point who's to say he wouldn't have tracked his man they would have scored another way um so it's hard to tell without understanding the the full circumstance of the situation. It's nice to see him playing with some good confidence. He's come back from the World Cup and he seems to be putting his... I think that that goes for a lot of players. You know, there's a lot of players that have, have benefited from that experience of the World Cup. And I think someone like Joe Morrell, who would have seen stadiums like he's probably never seen and played in before and trained with the likes of Gareth Bale for week in, week out. I'm not saying that Bale's the best training player in the world, but just someone of that level and quality and seeing how he plays, how he moves, how he reads the game those kind of things um, would have been a massive benefit to him. So it's good to see him come back and play with some confidence. But it's it's difficult to say whether he would have cost us that game or not. I, it, you know, you have to make a substitution to someone at some point. Um, you can't play a full... Well, you could play a full 90 minutes, but it would be difficult to play a team that are making subs. So you kind of have to make those decisions and, and live with the consequences of those. Um, but regardless of that, a draw against someone like Ipswich is still a good result. And that's what we should be focusing on more than anything, really. You think it is a good result? Yeah, I mean, we we said in the in the podcast, we likelihood is we'd lose to Ipswich, mm. you know. But then we also said the likelihood is we'd beat Exeter and MK. So, um, you know, it's it's a shame to see us uh, to see us lose the games that we probably had a better chance of winning. But then to get a good point against Ipswich is a positive note in the right a right step in the right direction, and hopefully we can take that forward and and build on that and get a couple of good results in the bag because I think we need that for confidence and. For a little bit of um, a little bit more to get our fans back behind us and supporting the club because that MK game, I think it's one of the first games I've been to where I haven't sung a song. <laughs> you know, we we normally are there. there wasn't much to sing about there, there was, was there. There was nothing. It was it was really flat from the start. You know, it looked like the first sort of 10, 15, 20 minutes we looked like the better side. We created some really good opportunities, but then we just stopped. And it seemed like the Ipswich players then wanted it more than us. They worked hard. MK. Ipswich, MK, sorry, wanted it more, worked harder than us. And you could feel it in the crowd. You could feel it in the atmosphere of the place. It just went really flat. And MK bought about, what, 50 people to that game. 
there was hardly anyone and they were singing where's your famous atmosphere mm. and they were right you know it was it was flat and it was rubbish and it's horrible to see because i think that you know as much as we have ourselves as the the 12th man we you know that fratton park used to be a fortress you know under it was called fratton fortress under um rednap i think and we, yeah. we missed that i think we we haven't had that for six seasons yeah the one sort of thing i would say to that and i'm not trying to go against anything that you've said or whatever but there are only two games no there weren't two games there was one game between january the 31st 2022 and december the 31st 2022 in which we lost and that was the one that you were at mk dons at home so we remained unbeaten at fratton park for that space of time but we've already mentioned that being unbeaten is pretty much nothing really um and it means absolutely nothing my my one thing i was going to do and i'm sorry to jump between flip-flop between it and mk but my it's sort of a kind of a a mathematical thing and i'm sure you've got to shed a little bit more light on it than i will perhaps be able to but my view has always been with football matches wise and i remember hearing someone say it a couple of weeks ago and it kind of brought it back to my attention was that if you're winning a game and you've got three points in the bag, such as Ipswich three one, uh, Ipswich two one up, and then you go and sadly concede in that whatever it is the eighty seventh minute, Connor Chaplin following up on a spill. You're actually dropping more points than if you were in a drawing position and ended up losing the game. Because mm-hmm. if you're drawing, you have one, and then you go down to zero. Yep. Whereas if you're winning the game, you've got three, okay, and you take them back down to one. Yeah. So, so lose two, sorry. exactly. So for me, it's actually a worse, to coin a phrase, is a worse way to draw as Kenny Jacket. Well, he didn't say that. He said it's a worse way to lose and then he got the sack. But <laughs> it's um, to coin a phrase, it's kind of it, it's a bit more of a sucker punch than if we'd been drawing 2-2 and ended up Ipswich going win 3-2 in the last minute or whatever. So that, that, that would just be one one little point I would make. So let's move on. In the last podcast we recorded, we spoke about how I think 10 points or we think 10 points from the month of December would put us back on track. That obviously hasn't happened. How do we reflect reflect? Sorry, on, on the month of December? Well, we said initially we wanted 10 points from those five games, didn't we? We've had Accrington called off. Um, so that's obviously lost us a potential of three points there. But we've only drawn two, um, Exeter and Ipswich, which to be honest with you, were probably the harder games in that month. Mm-hmm. Um, we lost to Wickham and we lost to MK. MK. Um, so you know, two points we, from twelve. Two points. Yeah. Two points where we wanted ten. Um, and it's, let's say we beat Aquinton, for example, we're still five points down from where we wanted to be in the month of December, and that's if we win that game. Mm. Um, it's it's no means to say that we're out of it. We're certainly not out of it. If you look at the table at this point. You know, with our games in hand and bits like that, there's a, a massive, you know, potential for us to still get a good playoff position and to give it a good go. I, you know, we those two at top are, are running away with it still. So I, I think we're we're in everyone's in the same mindset. Of we're not going to catch them. It's a shame we weren't able to stick with them a bit longer than we wanted to. Um, but you know, sat here midway through the season in tenth, it, it's just. It's not where we wanted to be. Yeah, we've got two games in hand on most teams apart from Barnsley, who are above us. Um, and those two games in hand can take us up into sixth place. And that's if we win them both. But it's not really the position we wanted to be in at this point. And I told you this at the time. Barnsley and Bolton are two of the games in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's, 
is actually three because the the pace setter is 24 that is how many games could have been played by this point the, the maximum number of games basically because we're, we're on game week 24 at the time of recording and actually we probably want to talk a, a little bit more about the um our thoughts ahead of charlton as well and then we're um we'll have a actually no we won't have a brief discussion about spurs because we'll probably speak before spurs won't we so um we will uh, we'll have a chat about Charlton and, and by which point you, you probably listen to this and thinking what they're doing talking about Charlton. We're currently New Year's Eve and Charlton may have happened by the time you listen to this because I will be promoting this in the video for people to go and listen to. So we'll have a, a, a chat about and try and be as specific as we can about Charlton in terms of what we expect from it. They are a team that, like Pompey, have completely nosedived since the last time we played each other. I've got a couple of little bits and pieces to surprise you with as well. You might see some stats. Um but to think that there's nine teams, with all due respect, inclusive of Wickham, Wanderers and Port Vale, that are currently better than Portsmouth in League One, is uh, a bit of a, a concern. I mean, you, you take having Plymouth Argyle, Ipswich, Sheffield Wednesday, Derby County, Bolton, Barnsley, Peterborough, either teams that have recent championship heritage or are big clubs that don't deserve to be in League One, being better than you or being on par with you. What isn't acceptable is to have, you know, with all due respect to Port Vale, having come up from League Two and had a fantastic start to this season, Portsmouth Football Club should never be under under underneath a side like Port Vale or a Wickham Wanderers in in, or in the, the league. Same points as Bristol Rovers. Oh well, yes, and not too long ago, Bristol Rovers actually above us in the table. When the same points as Exeter City, and yeah, it's, it's it just looks for grim reading at the moment. But as you say, once you are on level terms, I know a lot of people say oh, you can't take games of hand for granted, or you can't bank on games in hand. No, you can't. But what you can say is that Pompey are actually at a disadvantage at the moment. We are not on a level playing field with the rest of League One. Once you're up to twenty-four games, with the potential for what nine more points. All of a sudden, it looks a little bit more like you're going to be around this sort of region, which for viewers like who are four, fifth, listeners, yeah, you you're, you you have a firm grasp on the playoffs. Now, I think that's absolutely what we will be hoping for this season. I don't think any aspirations above the playoffs, although there are 25 games for Pompey to still play for, so 75 points potentially to gain as a maximum. I think the... A, the quality that both Plymouth and Ipswich have already shown. If Plymouth continue in the same vein for a 46-game season, they're 100 points plus, aren't they? Almost. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, is and the same for Ipswich and, and same for Sheffield Wednesday. So that, that yeah, pack... We, we, we probably need to speak about that, to be fair. The, the run that Sheffield Wednesday have made, mm-hmm. you know, they're now level on points and games with Plymouth. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't... Uh, sorry, Ipswich. I didn't realise that they'd managed to get that far up the table at this point. Um, you know, they, they've turned what was a two-horse race into a three-horse race very quickly. Um, you know, still uh, Plymouth are sort of romping off four points ahead. Um, but, you know, what what a great little run of form from Sheffield Wednesday because it seemed like the top two are pretty much set in stone. Mm. The, the thing you've got to look at here, from my perspective, is where we are comparably to Plymouth. You know, at one point in the season, we were above Plymouth. <laughs> We were top of the table. I think before we played them, we were above Plymouth, actually. Yeah. yeah. And uh, now we're 22 points behind them at this point. Um, it's rough, Which isn't it? I think it, it really does highlight when you look at that. And bear in mind, we've only got 31 points. So we're near we're 60% of the points total that they've got, in essence. Mm. Which it just simply isn't good enough for mm. what our ambition is as a club. Yeah. Um, 
I'm not pointing fingers and saying that's Danny's fault, that's the Eisner's fault, that's the players' fault. And you're not being um, aloof and big-headed about it either because it is the genuine ambition of the football club to be competing at the business end of the league, not the mid-table yeah. end of the league. I mean, there'll be no... You know, you look at it from the Eisner's perspective. They want us to get to the, the championship. We become a championship club that clubs worth a lot more money. There's mm. a lot more money going into the club through TV, through other things, and you get better players, better sponsorships, more investment, all those kind of things. Um, so... It, it's going to be important to everyone to get there. No one's, no one's sat there going, "Oh, let's stay in League One forever," because they, you know that's not the ambition of any club or business. You know, the the idea is to succeed and to push forward and to grow. But something obviously at this moment in time isn't working the way it needs to, and we need to see that change happen sooner rather than later to get the fans back on side for one, and to also get the club back where it needs to be. I think we saw a, a, a vast improvement on on what you saw at MK, the home game. There, yes, there was the little bout of booze, but I think it, it has three kind of scenarios for that from my point of view would be booze that Griffiths didn't get the ball up the pitch quick enough in the last couple of minutes because people wanted to go for a winner. Absolutely fine. But I think had he done that, I think then and, and Danny was actually quite content. I looked down at Danny Cowley on the touchline. He wasn't going, come on, I'm gesticulating for the benefit of people listening. He wasn't going, come on, let's get it out the pitch. He was just sort of stood there in thought, going, What am I gonna say to the cameras after this? Mm. And I think he was actually quite happy with the fact that Griffiths was taking that extra little sort of, you know, really pushing your thirty seconds that you have to take your free kick. Um because I think he was absolutely desperate to not lose the game. And I actually think, I know we're going specifically back into the game again here, but I actually think that once we'd conceded after Marlon, like be- before Marlon, the first, I know it's three minutes, but Marlon Pack scores that screamer, which did you say? You must no, have I've seen, seen it. it. You yeah, didn't mention it at all. Well, yeah, we're talking about best goal later on. Oh, okay. We're saving that. Well, we need to do that next because we haven't got very much long. Well, I say it's a podcast. We've got as long as we like, but we've got, Obviously, we don't want to bore you. Well, we don't want to bore you, and we want to celebrate New Year's as well. We want to sit here all night talking about Pompey. Um, But I'll just quickly finish off one more point: is that Danny was quite content with it. The boos were born out of Griffiths slash referee slash we're not great at the minute. I think, from my point of view, Um, but what followed was applause and appreciation. No one was, and me and you were stood there watching it happen. No one was giving the finger to Danny Cowley as he walked around the pitch. It was 95% people applauding him or 99% of people applauding him and actually recognising that that was a really dogged performance and, and the effort could not be questioned at all, whereas you were publicly questioning the effort on the video for MK. The effort wasn't questioned. We were up for it. And I think we were actually probably feeling a little bit disheartened. And I said this in the video as well, so apologies if anyone watched that and feels like I'm repeating myself. I think it's an important point. Going into it would have massively taken a two-all draw. And we said that in the interviews before the game outside Fratton Park, that a two-all draw or a draw of any kind or a point or whatever, anything from the game, we would have been delighted with. But coming out of it, we actually felt um, quite... um, We actually felt quite upset that... um, Oh, it's on a sort of portrait mode. We actually felt a little bit upset that we didn't actually take all three points. And I think that shows that a vast improvement was made on what we were expecting before the game and what happened afterwards. For the final part of the podcast, we normally talk about wider footballing world, but we're seeing as it's a a turn of the year, 2023. um, This is full credit to Forgotten Pompey Goals on Twitter, by the way, who posted this. And I thought we'd jump on it and um, 
decide for ourselves. We're going to go through best player, worst player, best goal, best performance, worst performance, unsung hero and best signing. We'll take it in turns. Feel free to let us know. Message us through um, or do it as a comment on, on YouTube. We might do this in a 4-0 Sunday live in a couple of weeks too or next or tomorrow actually when we do the next one. Who has been a best player for Pompey in 2022? I wrote down five potentials that I couldn't decide on. Who did you go for? Uh, for me, obviously, from the game I've seen, I would say our best player is Owen Dale. Okay. I think he has been outstanding from what I've seen. Um, he's been involved in quite a lot in, in terms of other games as well. He creates a lot. He works hard. He moves well off the ball. He reads the game very well. And he seems to work very well as a teammate to the rest of the team. Um Obviously, close in there with me was Marlon Pack. I think he's done a lot for us this year. And obviously, Colby Bishop scored a lot of good goals as well. Um, but I haven't seen enough of them as an all-round player to to put them ahead of Owen Dale yet. It's not forgetting George Hurst and Hayden Carter, who, of course, were featured in Pompey's 2022, but of not this season. Worst player, I think, is Tyler Walker, and we can just move on. I think that was just a, an absolute disaster from start to finish, to be honest. Yep. Oh, great. Thank you. <laughs> um, best goal. This is probably an easy one, and you've been waiting to talk about this, but Marlon Pack from Thursday night. Yeah, what a free kick that was. You know, what a, what a great finish. Uh, I actually thought it was quite a strange setup for the keeper because he seemed to set himself up almost to the, to the wrong side as I'd imagine him have himself. Mm. I thought he'd have set himself up to the other side, so Marlon's going to curl it in near post, but he set himself up the other side. Marlon took advantage and. What what great placement that was, you know, right in in off the inside of the post. You know, you can't ask for it to be any any closer to a corner than that. So yeah, an unbelievable finish, great free kick. He's been trying to do it for a couple of weeks as well, and he um, he's finally done it, which is great to see. And what I mean, what a game to do it for as well. Like first couple of minutes, Ipswich at Fratton Park. Wow, it just it set the night up properly, and sadly, it didn't quite be the it end up being the. Um, yeah, it, it felt like there was a, a couple of dampeners that were put on it and the night wasn't really about the free kick, which is a shame. Um, right, best performance. Oh, sorry, honorary mentions would be Louis Thompson away at Shrewsbury or Hayden Carter at Fratton. I think it was against Oxford United, that one. Oh, my word. Two unbelievable strikes, but Marlon, Marlon takes it for me. He takes it. Best performance is a toss-up between Rotherham at home, which is a 3-0 win against a team that were promoted out of League One last season. Cardiff away, which in the Cup, which we won 3-1 or 3-0. don't know if it was 3-1 or 3-0, but we'll see. Some serious limbs in that one. And then Wigan at home as well. We were all expecting to get absolutely tonked. And there were some great goals. Aidan O'Brien, Ryan Tunnicliffe absolutely ran the show. Did you go for any, any different ones? Yeah, I was thinking um, Ipswich away. Actually, where we won 3-2. We lost 3-2 Ipswich away. We beat them 3-2 in November. Did we? Oh, a what? No, we didn't. We lost 3-2, that one. We beat 2-0. Oh, two, yeah, Papa John's. Yeah. yeah. Okay, take that one. Beating Ipswich away in anything's a good result. No, we, I remember we were really they, good. They actually set up a good side that game yeah, as well. Yeah, we were really, really good Sorry, that night. I, I, I meant 2-0, not 3-2. He meant 2-0, not 3-2. Um, worst performance, I think we both know which one we're going to go MK for. MK Dons. <laughs> and move on. There's nothing else worse than that. We've already spoken about it. Um, unsung Hero, who's yours? He doesn't get a mention very often. Yeah, someone who's doing a lot of hard work and perhaps he's maybe overlooked. Well, if you'd asked me this a few seasons ago, I'd have told you Tom Naylor. 
Because I thought he was excellent for us back in the day, and he was hated by a lot of people, but I thought he worked hard. I'm asking you about 2022. Um, 2022, unsung hero. No. It's got to be Zach, mate. It's got to be Zach. Has to be. Coming in as an 18, 19-year-old kid from Arsenal, never played a league game before, never had a professional start before, and he goes and fires in the performances that he has done. I just think, yeah. Yeah, but do you, do you not think he's spoken about in those performances? I think he is, but I, I think the actual kind of, the way in which he's had to conduct himself and just literally dive in right at the very deepest end that you could have done. Like, your, your first proper full 90 minutes comes Morecambe away, and you pull an absolute blinder of performance. I mean, some professionals take years to master being good at a place like Morecambe or Fleetwood or, you know, with no disrespect, Accrington, Stanley, etc., etc. The list goes on. But, yeah, I, I just think... And I think he he was a class above last night. Not last night, Thursday night. What night are we now? Friday. Yeah, it was last night. No. We're, are we Saturday today? Sorry. A bit between Christmas and New Year where no one knows who they are or what's going on. <laughs> Thursday night. I thought it was superb. Finally, best signing, it's either Marlon or Colby. Yeah, Marlon's been great this year, hasn't he? Let's face it, he's been a really solid, sort of steady signing for us, something we needed in the middle uh, to keep us, you know, hold us up and keep us moving forward um, and to give that sort of air of um, uh... He's just made a hand movement to try and get the word. It's not quite coming to him. It's on the professionalism. As in experience, it, that wasn't a difficult word to get. I thought you were going to no, go for it was, something. It was a completely different word to that, but experience means the same thing in essence. Oh, Someone okay. who who's been through it, seen it all before, and is able to sort of compose himself. Like, composure, composure. That's, that's a better way to describe yeah. it. Someone who's able to really compose themselves. Someone really to hold the team together in in bad situations, you know, and and try and keep that performance at a level which it should be. And I think he's done a lot of that very well. Um, obviously our performances around that haven't been so fantastic of late, but that's not to say that he's still not playing a, a vital role within the team. And, uh, you know, without him, we, we may be a bit more lost than we are. That was the Four Never All Over It podcast. Thank you for joining us for our last one of 2022 slash first one of 2023. Depends on when you end up listening to this. It's been a pleasure. Big year in coming. And um, we'll see you all in a week's time where we'll be previewing everything there is to know about Tottenham Hotspur away from home. In the FA Cup. Anything to add other than? Um, I was, oh. we haven't, Sorry, there is something to add. Yeah, there is a, quite a lot to add. We said at the start of this podcast we're going to talk about Charlton. Yes. Well, we did, but it's kind of come and gone. So I, th- <laughs> I think... Well, it's come we, and gone. I think we should, I think we should spend... I, I think we should edit this in and spend a couple of minutes going through Charlton and maybe lose some... Tables booked in seven minutes. We can't, we, we can't do more. We've just been told I by the director that, that we've got to go. No, the table's booked we're leaving for 7.30. at 7.30. Yes, and it's 23 minutes past. Yeah, so we've got seven minutes till we need to leave. Are you ready? Yes. Are your shoes on? <laughs> Can I leave all that in? That's quite funny, actually. Are your that shoes on? Then. Are your shoes on? Well, we need to get our shoes on, everybody. Okay. Thanks for joining us. See you in a week or so's time. Play at Pompey. Play at Pompey. <laughs>